we are continuing our series of unveiled glory. We've been using the verse in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This idea of, of being transformed into His image, becoming more Christ-like. Last week, Matt also uh, talked briefly about Romans uh, 12, 2, that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, this idea of being transformed, moving from a caterpillar into a butterfly. And this morning, I'm going to take a slight right turn here, and I want to talk about what I would proposes one of the biggest barriers we have in our life that keeps us from being transformed into who God wants us to become, into his Christ-likeness. And so here, kids, it's early. So here are the friends I invited to help, help me with. Anyone know what movie this is? Yes, what movie is this? Inside Out. This is a great movie. So, so the movie, the main character is this 11-year-old girl. Uh, her family moves from Minnesota to San Francisco uh, in a very um, interesting time for her life. Um, and these five emotions help her navigate this transition. So, kids, who is the short red guy on the left? Yes. Who? Anger. Yes, it is anger. So if you ever watch the movie, this is a great movie, by the way even if you're not a kid, um, that when he gets angry, he, fire comes out of his head. So it's like, um, who is the green girl? Yes. Disgust. Ugh. Disgust. Who is the girl in the middle? All the way in the back. Yes. Some, anyone. Joy. She's, her job is to keep Riley happy through this transition. Uh, Who's the guy in the bow tie with the big eyes? Yes. Uh, fear. 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 Who is uh, the blue girl on the other side? Uh, right here. Yes. Sadness. It is sadness. So these five emotions help Riley navigate, but also gives us a great lesson of what I would believe is one of the biggest barriers that keep us being transformed into his image. Watch this video. Fear. Fear, I think, is one of our biggest barriers of becoming transformed in, in, into the men and women God has created us to become. Uh, some of you know that, that Mindy and I have recently uh, become more connected with an organization in Ghana. In October of 2014, Minnie and I were going to take our first trip, and leading up to it, and if you remember, 2014 was kind of towards the tail end of the Ebola uh, outbreak in West Africa and the fear that was sweeping across the United States. And we had a number of people, people who are friends and people who I would call acquaintances who felt like they needed to be fearful for us, came to us, you should not be going there. There's this real sense of fear. And Minnie and I heeded this, and we're studying what's going on and listening, but we still felt the elbow of God going, nope, you need to go. And so we went, came back, 
no bleeding eyes, we were good. We had no Ebola. Then June of last year, I was invited by IJM to go uh, on his pastor's trip back to Ghana. I thought, great, we'll go again. We went, had an amazing experience. I come back, have to go in for a doctor's checkup. As you've gone into a doctor recently, or at least within the last year, you will know the question that's coming. So I walk up to the reception, to the receptionist at this doctor's office, and I give her my card and my name, and she goes, well, I have to ask you a few questions. I said, sure. She goes, have you been to West Africa in the last three weeks? Taking a deep breath, I said, yes, I was there just last week. You better not be joking, I have a button here I have to push. I said, no, seriously, I was just there. Sheer terror on her face. Oh, no. There's this pause. You can see the wheels turning. Been trained for this, been trained for this. She starts reading something on, on, on the side of the wall here. She says, stay right there, I'll be right back. Behind, you hear all this rustling and this whispering. She comes back out and she says, now the waiting room has kind of two areas. To the left, there's people hanging out over here. To the right, there's nobody. She goes, can you go sit over there? Like as far away in the corner as possible, right? Go sit over there. He's like, sure, we'll go sit down. So we go, we sit down. Many are kind of chuckling like, okay, this is kind of funny. We're not here because we have Ebola or anything. Uh, in walks this lady, says, will you follow me? Takes us into this examining room. Sit down. A little bit later, the door opens. In walks this lady, just wants to make eye contact, but doesn't. Just doing this, types something on the computer, leaves. And in that moment, I go, Mindy, we should videotape this. This might be pretty funny about what's going to happen next. A little bit while longer, the door opens. In walks this lady, gloves, mask, cap, and I think it was like a paper gown. Walks in like this. In walks the, the, the other lady that didn't want to make eye contact, just doing, you know, typing on the computer. And uh, she has this card in her hand. And, uh, and I think many, at that moment, Minnie goes, you were the one that drew the short straw, weren't you? Um, <laughs> uh, she has this card, and she goes, so what country were you in in West Africa? I go, well, we were in Ghana. She looks down at her list. What country? Ghana. Oh, it's not on my list. Embarrassingly, takes the mask off, takes the cap off. I'm sorry, this was a precaution we had to take, and they walk out of the room. <laughs> I shared that with, 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 with a nurse friend of, of mine, and she said, you know what, it, even though it was funny, it was a great opportunity for them to have a learning moment within that experience. But like I said, it's kind of fear a lot of times causes us to overre overreact to certain things. Had the receptionist gone, so what country were you in? A lot of that could have been avoided. But this morning, fear is what keeps us from this transformation that God desires in our life. Fear has good, good things to it. Fear keeps us safe, right? So, so that thing that happens at night that wakes you up, the bump in, in the house, me, I don't hear it. I'm a deep sleeper. Mindy, is, uh, she, she hears everything that goes on. And so there's been a few times, and maybe a spouse has experienced this, being shaken in the middle of the night. There's somebody in our house. You know, fear keeps us safe. Fear keeps us safe from, you know what, I think it'd be a good idea to drive 100 miles per hour down Highway 1, right? Not a good idea. It's, it's that fear, it's that wisdom at the same time that kind of that keeps us safe. Uh, there's also the idea of the fear of God. This reverence of like, I want to honor God with my life. Here's the life of how, I, how he's lined, his, lined it out for me to live because I fear God, I, I, honor, I want to honor him, I revere him, I will live this way. 
on the same side of the coin, fear has a negative connotation to it. Fear, especially within the political cycle, right? Fear is a big driving force for people's agendas, for people's um, why they should be elected. If you, if you listen to what a lot of these politicians, a lot of it is based upon fear. Fear of the refugee, fear of the immigrant, just fear, right? Fear that Social Security is going to be you know, taken from us, all of that. But when it comes to us and our transformation, fear is what keeps us from moving between the gap of where we are now to where God wants us to be. And this morning I'm talking more specifically about action. God works within our lives in a dynamic way, meaning that it is good to pray, it is good to read scripture, but it's also good to move, to act with God, to do things with him. In the process of action, we are formed. And so there's this dynamic relationship. And so God loves us where we're at this morning, right where we're at this morning in these chairs that we sit. Can't change that. He loves you. But he loves you enough not to leave you where you're at now. He wants to see us grow and be transformed into the men and women he's created us to become. But I know for me, the fear of the gap between where I'm at now and where he wants me to go is huge. And so, this gap could be something as easy, or not, it's not easy. It could be something as, there's a conversation you know you should have with a friend, a coworker, a relative. You feel that elbow from God going, hey, you need to go have that conversation. It could be, you need to go volunteer somewhere. You felt God nudging you, like, you need to go volunteer in the children's ministry at Bay Marin. I don't know, but just throwing that out there. Um, It could be something, maybe it's time to change jobs. It's time to apply for a different job. Maybe it's time to move. And there's this fear that develops between where I'm at now and where God wants me to go or what God wants me to do. And chances are we already know what that is. We all feel that elbow from God going, hey, you need to go do this. There may be a number of reasons why we don't, but I would probably assume, I don't want to assume, but would propose that under all of that is a fear. A fear of what? This morning, I want to look at an example from Moses in Exodus 3. So if you have your Bibles, there's Bibles in front of you. (coughs) Excuse me. So Exodus 3. We are jumping into sort of the beginning of the story of Israel here. So Israel has been in Egypt for like 400 years in slavery. Moses was born in Egypt. If you remember the story of Moses, his mom or sister leaves him in the river, makes a basket. Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And Moses is is, um, brought up in the house of Pharaoh. And at some point during his growth process, he realizes, I'm an Israelite, I'm not an Egyptian. And he wrestles with this. And then one day, he ends up killing one of the Egyptians. And he realizes, i got to get out of here. And he runs away into the wilderness. So for 40 years, Moses has been in the wilderness, tending sheep, hiding out, probably just kind of like, I'm good here. I'm safe. Nobody knows where I'm at. I'm secure. I'm good. And this is where we pick up the story. Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. 
his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the stranger, this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Here I am is a, is a, is a Hebrew word here, hinani. I am all and completely present, God, physically, mentally, spiritually. I'm here. I just love that term. God goes on to say in verse 5, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressed. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So here's Moses, hiding out in the wilderness for 40 years, sees a bush that is on fire but is not being consumed. He goes, hmm, never seen that before around here walks over and has this conversation with God. And God conf confirms with Moses, yes, I've seen the misery of the Israelites. You've seen it too. You've experienced this. And now, I'm going to rescue them. And guess what? I want you to go to Egypt, get the Israelites, and go to the Promised Land. There's a gap. Where Moses is right now, Egypt, promised land. Okay, so what happens between here and there? How do I get from here to there? What's the first step? Do I go 101 or do I go, or do I go one? Do I go take the five? I mean, how, how is this all going to happen? All of a sudden, there's this sense of fear. What does Moses say? But Moses says, said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The fear of, I am not enough. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I don't have the right words to say. I know that I'm not good enough, God, for what you are calling me to do. And if you read Moses' life and what happens, I think God would say, yeah, you're right. But you are enough with God. There's this gap between where Moses is at now, where he wants him to go, and Moses says, I'm not good enough. Have you ever had that conversation in your own head before when God gives you that elbow? Hey, I need you to go do this. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm good enough to do that, or I'm smart enough, or I'm whatever enough. There's the fear of falling short. What is God, God's response to Moses? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on, his, on this mountain. God's promise to him is like, I will be with you through the gap between where you're at now and getting to the promised land. I will not leave you. I'm with you. 
And it's interesting, the God says, and you will know that I'm with you when you have the Israelites back at this mountain worshiping me. If we were to look back on our life through the struggles, maybe some of those decisions we made to step into the gap, to change jobs, to have a conversation. If we were to look back, do you see God working in your life to get you where you're at now? And chances are that when God, or when Moses ends up back on this mountain, he will remember this conversation. He will look back and he will go, oh my goodness, you were with me all the way through. But it's hard to do that when you're here now, right? And you see this gap. And, and I think we all want to believe God will be with me. But there's still, for some reason, I know for me sometimes, it's not quite enough. Moses then goes on to say, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So you had the fear of not enough here I would call this the fear of the what-ifs. Have you ever been in a situation where you're at now, you know God's nudging you, and now this is the direction you're supposed to go, and you go through the whole what-ifs? You kind of go through, okay, so what could possibly happen here? Which is not a bad thing, actually, and I would encourage that. Telling you, okay, so what are the pros, the cons, how to make this decision? But at some point, we have to step. But we can be stuck in the what-ifs. Kind of like, Fear. So you have Riley, the first day of school, at this new school. And fear comes with this stack of potential, I can't really call them, but potential disasters, right? It's a stack. We can do the same thing, can't we? When we see where we're supposed to go and go, okay, here are all the potential disasters, God. Here are all the what-ifs. I feel like, for me, a lot of times, God would say, you know what? If any of those what-ifs happen, like quicksand, we'll have that conversation. (laughs) But until then, trust me. Because God goes on to say, to answer Moses, God says to Moses, I am who I am. I will be who you will need me to be. I've got you. The fear of not being enough the fear of the what-ifs can keep us stuck here while God continues to elbow us and nudge us to go have this conversation, to, to move to this area, to do this action that he wants us to do. The third fear, and I, trust me, this isn't all of them, the third fear, and to be completely honest and vulnerable with you this morning, it's my fear, it is the fear of failure. It is the fear of, well, God, if I do this, What if I crash and burn? What if it's not what you wanted me to do? What if I step out and I look like a fool in front of everyone? The fear of failure. The fear of, well, if I have this conversation, what happens if it just blows up and now we're not friends anymore? Or I might fail at this. For me, that's one of my biggest fears it's just blowing it. And as a, you know, when it was just me making decisions, it's a lot easier. Now, get married and Mindy and appreciate her so much. She has that spirit of adventure that to, to take different risks. But then to go one step further and go, now we have two kids. I can trust God with my life, but to trust God with my two kids, that's another level. But what 
is it that God wants me to do? And when it comes to the fear of failure, or the fear of the what-ifs, or stepping into the gap between where we're at now to where God wants us to go, I would say that there are a lot of opposites to fear, but when we're in this context, the opposite to fear here is trust. Do we trust God and what he says, I will be with you? Do we trust God and says, hey, I've got you. I will take care of you. If you look back at different scenarios you've gone through, has he been trustworthy? Has he gotten you to the point to where you're at now? Have you seen him working in your life? What's to say this next gap that he won't still be there? Trust. Because it's also not only trust in God, it's a trust in what we sing about, what we talk about, his grace and his mercy. Do we trust that God's grace is sufficient for you, for us, for me? Is his mercy that if, that if I step here, and, it, and it's the wrong step, I truly believe that if I'm seeking God with my heart and my mind and my passion, I want to honor him, and I feel like God's nudging me, and I'm, I'm praying, God, okay, I think this is what you want me to do, and I step off, and I go, oh, I wasn't supposed to. I trust, I hope, I'm learning to trust that God's grace and mercy, that when I fall down and skim my knee, he goes, no, it's not what we wanted to do there. Let's go back to the beginning. And let's learn from that. This is the step we take. That's also a trust in his grace and his mercy. In Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy 4.31, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. That's who he is. He cannot be anything other than merciful. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. Deuteronomy, the other Deuteronomy passage, 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, the times we've stepped into the gap are the times when we've experienced God the most. I know that I have. He shows up in just amazing ways, even though it's not easy, it's not always full of joy, even some of the most difficult times in my life are the times I've been most transformed. The times that I, is who I am now. And so it is stepping into that gap is when we see God be trustworthy, be faithful. One of the prerequisites of following God when it comes to this is not... Is it safe and is it secure? It's not, nowhere does God say, hey, if you do this, you'll be safe. If you do this, it'll be nice and secure. If you're like me, I would love to have a bubble-wrapped life, right? No hurt, no pain, no suffering. That happens when Christ comes back. But in the meantime, when it comes to the elbow that God gives us, it's good to take an account. Is it safe? Is it secure? But once you get there, you set that here and, and go, all right, God, I'm stepping out. And so, just to give a little bit of practicality to this, how do we know when to step? And my short answer to that is we don't. It's faith. Faith is, 
it would be like, I have $20 in my pocket. That's faith. Do you believe me or not? And if I pull out $20, now you know. Now it's certainty. Most of the big decisions I know that we've made in our lives when we felt God's nudging has been, well, I think this is what we're supposed to do. I think this is the direction we're supposed to go. And it's with this heart of a desire to honor God that I believe God honors that as well. But to step off, before stepping off, spend time praying, listening. Spend time talking to godly counsel. Spend time listening. Spend time watching. What's going on around you? What is God saying and through different situations and through people? Gather that information. But at some point, remove the fear, or sometimes it's hard. you take the fear with you anyways, and you trust, and you step. All right, God, here I go. And the reason why we can do this, the, why, the reason why we can have this faith and this trust in him, always comes back to this. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread. He said, this is my body, broken for you. And he took the cup and he poured it out. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. You see, God has already shown that he is trustworthy. God has already shown that he's full of grace and mercy because of the act that he did on the cross. And so for us, with fear and trembling maybe, let's step into the gap and move towards the men and women God has created us to become. Knowing that it's not going to be easy, it's not going to be full of laughter, but if you look at Moses' life, as I was studying this, someone, or this question popped into my head, would I trade places with Moses, given everything I know about his life? I would. Because having all of those emotions, just like the emotions that Riley had, I know I'm alive. I know God is working. And there's this dynamic relationship that is taking place. And so this morning, as we um, approach communion, I challenge you to consider, what is that fear that is keeping you stuck? And offer that to God. And God, here's my fear. That's keeping me from stepping into the gap and moving towards the man and woman, man or woman you want me to become and receive this communion. I'll have the band come. So God, thank you that you promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. God, thank you that you challenge us, you nudge us, you elbow us. Sometimes you push us into the gap between where we are now to what you want us to do. And God, I pray that for anyone here, Father, who is considering making this step, 
God, that when they do, that you would show up in amazing ways, unexpectedly, to confirm our heart's desire that we want to become the men and women you've created us to become, to become more in the likeness of you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So now the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you the courage to step into the gap so that you may experience how high, how deep his love really is. Amen.